0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And we want to look more at faith because you know it says in Romans chapter one that the righteous or the just that means the righteous, the righteous will live by faith. It says that in here, it says that in other places in the New Testament, it's a quote from the Old Testament from Habakkuk and uh my translation, I think, it's, I think it's the King James that Habakkuk 2, you can check it out. But when it says the just shall live by faith and that's where these, when you see that expression in the New Testament, it's a quote from the Old Testament. But uh, I think it's the New King James without turning over there. But one of them says, the just shall live by his faith. Is that, is that the Old King James? Okay, the just shall live by his faith. Now that's saying the same thing, but to me, it makes it more personal. See, a lot of people say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just living by faith. And they have kind of a, uh, a, a, you know, uh, a, a, a imaginary idea of what that means. It just means, you know, that they're just, uh, going through life, letting anything happen that happens and just trusting God to somehow bring it, bring them through. Uh, but Habakkuk says the just shall live by his faith. See, faith is a personal, uh, thing. And it's something that you and I have to have individually, and we have to act. The way you live by your faith is to exercise your faith. The just shall live by putting their faith to work every day. That's what he said. Amen. Well, if if we are to live by our faith, then uh, it's important that we know how. It's important that we know uh, the different uh, ramifications, the different uh, results, benefits of living by faith, and conversely, uh, the 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 uh, dangers and the consequences of not living by our faith. And I think we can see that all around us. Amen. Praise the Lord. The just shall live by faith. Now, in Romans chapter four, in the third verse. Speaking of Abraham, says, but what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. Well, you could say Abraham exercised faith. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. The Barclay translation says, Abraham took God at his word. You know, that's what faith is. It's taking God at his word. Faith is taking God at his word. And it goes on to say, and that act of faith was accepted as putting him into a right relationship with God. And so there is an act of faith. When Abraham took God at his word, he acted on what he believed. And so uh, last Sunday we were talking about uh, faith for our assignments. And then Sunday night we talked about acting Uh, on our faith. And we found out that it's acting in faith, acting on your faith that brings the answer. It's not just having faith, it's acting on your faith. Remember the man at Lystra that was crippled and Paul and Barnabas were there preaching the gospel. And it says that Paul perceived that the man had faith to be healed. But notice he wasn't healed yet. It wasn't a lack of faith because Paul perceived by the Holy Spirit that he had faith and not just insufficient faith, he had faith enough to be healed, but he still wasn't healed. He wasn't healed until he acted on what he believed. And of course, we know the way he acted is when, when Paul perceived that the man had faith sufficient faith to be healed, he said to him, because he perceived that he had faith to be healed, he said to him, stand upright on your feet. Well, the man was crippled. He was sitting there. He had never walked. He would never, in all of his life, he had never walked. But when the command came to arise and stand on your feet, because he had faith to be healed, he was able to act on his faith And it's when he acted on his faith that the miracle took place. Had he not acted, though he had faith to be healed, his faith was sufficient. It was not uh, uh, insufficient. It was adequate. It was good faith. He had faith enough to be healed. But if he had not acted, then he wouldn't have received his healing. Amen. And so we talked about that. We talked last Sunday about uh, the fact that God wants to use us in these last days. And he wants to use everybody in these last days. Now he's not going to use everybody the same. Don't get nervous. You know, when you see uh, uh, other people doing uh, things that you think, oh, you know, that, that just scares me. I mean, just the very thought of, you know, getting up in front of somebody or just going, uh, you know, in a shopping mall and just you know, sitting down next to someone on a bench in the mall and starting up a conversation with them and witnessing to them and, and sharing or, or driving along the road. You know, you hear some of these young, young people t- talk about, you know, driving down the street and, and uh, they'll see some man on the side of the road and just the Spirit of God prompts them to turn around and go back and, and pick up that person. You think, oh, I just never do that. It's just too dangerous, you know. Listen, God's not going to use everybody the same. So don't, don't be concerned when you hear other people. When we talk about God wants to use everybody. He will use you and because he has assignments for each one of us and the assignments are suited to us. You understand that? God, God, God has assignments for each one of us and they're perfectly suited for each one of us. Now, that doesn't mean we necessarily think we're suited or they're suited to us or we're suited to it. But if the Spirit of God prompts you to do something, that is His approval and His uh, signification that you are suited to this. No corporate uh, corporation uh, boss or, or manager would assign someone a task in his company that he didn't believe that person could accomplish. That would be a waste of energy. It'd be a waste of resources. It would be a waste of money. It it just, it would just, that wouldn't happen. Well, when the spirit of God prompts you to do something, you you might feel a little nervous and a little uneasy about it. Just always remember, if you can just do this, remember to this Sunday and last Sunday, just remember that the pastor made it real clear. and, and And if you are honest, you'll have to admit this is so, that if the spirit prompts you to do it, you can do it. Now, you might not be able to do it on your own, but you can do it with his help. I said this, the Lord really uh, rarely gives us assignments that we can accomplish on our own. Because if we can do it on our own and our own ability, then we're not doing it by faith and that doesn't please God. So, So God will always give us assignments that will stretch us in that we have to depend on his grace and his help to do it. But my point is, his grace and help will be there and you can do it with his help. Amen. 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 God has assignments for all of us. And in these last days, uh, the assignments that he has for us uh, are, are more important than ever because we're living in the last days, we don't necessarily have a whole lot of time. We don't know how much time we have, but we do know that the day of the the return of the Lord is drawing near. Amen. Now, we know that. And because of that, what we do, what the Lord leads us to do, we must do. We can no longer just shrug those Leadings and those, uh, those uh, urges of the spirit, we can no longer just you know, shrug those off and say, "Well, you know I'm just not comfortable doing that, uh, And, and you know, God, just give that to somebody else. No? He gave it to you. He gave it to me for a reason. Amen. And uh, God wants us to do great things in these last days. I didn't say God, you know, is leading you or will give you the assignment of of building, you know, a church or or establishing a ministry overseas, right? I'm not I'm not saying that, but everything he leads you to do is great. And it's tr- strategically important that that assignment be be filled and fulfilled and accomplished. It's so important. And so we talked about that in order for us to do what God's called us to do, we have to know how to live by faith. We have to know how, let me see that was I got a weak response. We on that. We have to know how to use our faith. How are you going to learn to use your faith by hearing sermons? No. By doing it. By actually using your faith. Faith Faith can can is not effective if it's a theory. Even if it's a wonderful theory. Even if it's the most exciting theory you've ever heard and you just like to think about it and read about it and talk about it. It's still no good unless it's actually done, unless it's actually acted on. So God wants us all to be using our faith. And... We pointed out that the storms of life come our way. They don't come from God. The Bible says let no one say when he's tempted or tested that he's tempted of God because God doesn't tempt anybody. God doesn't put tests and trials into people's lives. He doesn't, what I'm talking about is he doesn't bring sickness or financial problems or things. That's, That's not what he does. The Bible says that the devil comes, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. So we know where those things come from. We know who's the author of those things. But God does allow us to experience those things in life. I mean, let's let's face it. If if He didn't allow it, it wouldn't happen. If God didn't allow, if God didn't allow that uh, cold that wanted to come on you last week. The you know the sneezing and if God if God didn't want that to happen it wouldn't have happened. I mean if He didn't let me say it this way if He didn't allow it wouldn't happen. But He allows us to live in this world and where the enemy is still present and we know that He will attack us. That doesn't mean we have to receive it. That doesn't mean you have to receive the sniffles. Doesn't mean you have to take that cold. It's like dad Hagen used to always say, you know, he said, I haven't had a headache in over 50 years. He said, now don't misunderstand me. I've passed up some marvelous opportunities. What he meant by that was there had been times when his head hurt. A headache would come on him, but he had learned how to throw it off by his faith. Amen. Amen. We need to become skilled in everyday operations of faith because the opportunities are out there. Marvelous opportunities, Brother Hagin described. There are marvelous opportunities come to us all the time in the area of our our bodies, our finances, our attitudes, our, uh, uh, you know, just different things that, that come. There are opportunities all the time for the enemy to take advantage of us but those opportunities are also opportunities to say no you don't no you don't i'm not taking that stand against it using your faith and if god's going to use us in the things of ministering to others and making an impact in other people's lives we're not going to be able to do that without faith if you, if you think you're going to be an effective minister and the devil's not gonna challenge you, oh boy, do you have another thought coming? If you think that, that you're going to do uh, great things for God, whatever that means to you, just be, be used of God and the Holy Spirit's gonna move on you and you're just gonna do those things and you're gonna have any opposition, the enemy's not going to fight you, Uh, you haven't done many of them. You haven't obeyed much because the enemy will always be there to try to stop, to try to interfere, to try to prevent you from from fulfilling your assignment. And it takes faith to push those things through. Amen. Amen. So even though I know God didn't send the sickness, I thank God for the opportunity to use my faith against it. I thank God for that. That's why James said, count it all joy when you fall into different tests and trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may become complete and entire lacking nothing. See, that's what God wants. He wants us to become complete entirely uh, in every way lacking nothing. A person like that, there's no limit to what God can do in their life. No limit to what God can do. No limit to what assignments can be given to a person like that. Amen. That's why we count it all joy. Now, it doesn't seem joyful, but we count it all joy. Amen. Well, praise God. That's not my message this morning, but anyway. Hallelujah. So we talked about that uh, last Sunday morning. Then last Sunday night, we talked about acting on the word. Praise the Lord. We gave examples of that. And uh, this morning, I want us to go to Daniel chapter 11 book of Daniel it's right after Ezekiel chapter 11 I want to kind of go back to last Sunday morning's thoughts a little bit and then spring off of that Daniel chapter 11 verse number 32 Daniel 11:32 Those who do wickedly against the covenant He shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God. Shall be strong. And carry out great exploits. The people who know their God. Well that really. Finds its fulfillment in the the new covenant. And in the church. Because. We're really the only people who know God. Other people know of God and know about God, but we know God because we've been born into his family. We've become children of God. He has become our father. We have the Lord Jesus Christ as our elder brother. We have the Holy Spirit who is God living on the inside. We know God. Amen. If you're born again, you know God. Yes. He's not a theory. He's not a philosophy or a code of, of conduct or a philosophy of thought. God's a person that we know. Well, it says the people who know their God, that would be the church, shall be strong and carry out great exploits, great assignments. But notice, before you carry out the great exploit, you have to be strong. For those people who know their God shall be strong and, and carry out great exploits. That's why the Bible in the New Testament tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of of his might. Go with me over to Ephesians and let's look at that verse. Ephesians uh, chapter six. Ephesians 6 10 says, finally my brethren, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Well, this is how how you get strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles simply means crafty scheming, deception, trickery. Put on the whole armor of God that that you may be able to stand against the that he speaks of is girding your faith with truth. Well, Jesus said your word is truth. That's the very first piece of armor we have to have is the word of God, girding ourselves. What does that mean, girding yourself with truth? To gird yourself with the word. Now, it's a little different than uh, taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the same word, but it's it's the the two different pieces of armor are used differently. Notice he goes on down. He talks about different uh, pieces of armor. We talked about this that above all we take the shield of faith. See that according to this passage, faith is more important than all of them. Above all, he'd already mentioned girding yourself with truth, but then above all, taking the shield of faith. We've talked about that, and that's what we're talking about in this session. It's what we're talking about in these series how to use the shield of faith. But notice, gird yourself with the truth and then take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, one is offensive and the other is more defensive. You don't protect yourself with the sword, you kill your opponent with the sword. Isn't that right? You protect yourself with the shield, but you use the sword offensively against your opponent. Well, in this case, it would be the devil, of course, not brother so-and-so. A whole lot of hacking going on sometimes. that ought not be, but we won't get into that. But girding yourself with truth, that's simply... Is referring to having a uh, a strong supply and deposit of the Word of God in your life, having a rich a rich uh, measure of the truth, because girding yourself with truth will prevent you from falling uh, into the traps of the enemy. Because you'll see those traps. You'll understand that trickery. You'll, you'll uh, catch on to what he's trying to do. Why? When, how do you do it? Because you've girded yourself with truth. Amen. The word of God has become your only authority in life. Everything you do as a Christian everything you believe has to be grounded in the word of god amen now we know in romans 10 go over there and look romans 10 we this is a familiar scripture but it's you still need to you still need to understand it there's still more in verse 17 than what you know. One person agreed with me. I said, there's still more in Romans 10, 17 than you know. There's more than I know. There's more in this verse of scripture. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith only comes one way. Faith comes by hearing the word. Well, there must be something in the word that produces faith. Faith is, is the, the word of God is full of faith. The word of God is chock full of faith. It's teeming over. It's bubbling over. It's bursting out with faith. The word of God has faith oozing all out of it. It's full of faith. Well, if if I want faith, even even if, now the Bible says faith comes by hearing the word. It doesn't come any other way. way. But even if faith also came some other way, I would want to get it this way because I, I would want the word because the word's oozing faith. I mean, it's teeming with faith. If, if I'm wanting vitamin C in my life, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after oranges. If I want vitamin C in my body, I'm, I'm not gonna go after, after uh, what's something else? Bananas, they have vitamin C. Something that's Nuts. If I'm if I'm if I've got a vitamin C deficiency, the doctor's not going to say eat more peanuts. He's going to say get you a basket of oranges. Isn't that right? Why? Because oranges teeming with vitamin C. Well, the word is teeming. It's just bubbling over. It's it's percolating faith. Well. Even if there might be some other way to get faith, I'm gonna gonna go for the source. I'm gonna go for the rich supply. Faith, the word of God is full of faith. And if you wanna be strong in the Lord, you have to be full of faith. Well, how are you gonna get full of faith? The word of God. Plain and simple. To be strong in faith, one must be strong in the word of God. To be full of faith, one must be full of the word of God. If if a person is not full of the word, it's not possible for them to be full of faith. Amen. We ought to examine ourselves. We ought to take account of ourselves and just ask ourselves, you know, just honestly on the inside, am I, am I full of the word of God? Am I full of it? Somebody might say you are, but they might be talking about faith. Am I full of faith? Am I full of the word? Well, if you're not full of the Word, you're not full of faith. <clears throat> so our our focus ought to be on the Word of God. Amen. Just like if you if you've got if you want more vitamin C, if you want more of it in your life, your focus needs to be on a bag of oranges. Amen. Isn't that right? Well, uh, we know that. But sometimes we don't do it like we should. We don't really feed in the word of God like we should. We sometimes settle uh, on living on yesterday's word. (laughs) Or Or what we've heard before. What we know about the word, like I said, what we've heard before, the word we've heard before, but that's not being full. Being full of the word is being uh, current, having a current uh, supply, uh, feeding currently on the word. That, that's how you get full of the word, as you feed on it. I said, the way you get full of the word is by feeding on it. The way you get full of oranges is by feeding on them. Isn't that right? There, you know, you can take you can take vitamins that are high in vitamin C, but there's nothing you can take. There's not any pills you can take to get the word in you. It doesn't come in capsule form, is that right? It, it, it's it's right here, and it's for our consumption so that it will build faith. Well, Amen. Praise the Lord. Go with me to Mark 11. Jesus said, verse 22, have faith in God. Have faith in God. You can't have faith in God without faith in God's word. Faith in God comes by having faith in God's word. If you don't Value the word and feed on the word though you believe in having faith in God. Though you want to have faith in God, you cannot have faith in God apart from faith in his word. Faith in God is faith in his word. Because that's not, that's how his faith comes. He didn't, God didn't put his faith in some other uh, arena we don't go we don't go some other place to to get faith that we can have in him we get it from the word amen faith in god is faith in his word remember what the the apostle paul said to the Thessali, uh, to the church of thessalonica over in 1 Thessalonians go over there amen 1 Thessalonians chapter Two. he said something really important <clears throat> verse 13 I think verse 13 he says for this reason we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God which you heard from us this is Paul's talking about how uh, he and Silas went to Thessalonica and preached the gospel for the very first time these people had never heard the gospel of Christ. He said, when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Notice, it has its effective work in people when they believe it, but only after they receive it right. He said, it worked in you effectively, you who believe. So so you have to believe it for it to work in you. Can you see that? But can you see that before before, uh, you can believe it and have it work in you, you have to receive it right. He talked about how they received it. He said, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. God's written word, his this this holy written word that we look into is the, 2 Timothy talks about the fact that it's, insp- all scripture is inspired of God. And the original Greek says that it's God breathed. God's word is God breathed. God's word came out of his essence. It's, it's God breathed. It's, you can't separate God from his word. Hebrews, it says that the word is a living thing. God's word is alive. See, so it's, it's not just, I say this sometimes, but, but we need to think about it. It's not just ink on paper. Bound in leather. It's not that. It's a living. God's word is a living thing. God's word is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Why? How how come? Why is it powerful? Why is it so sharp? Why is it so effective? Because it is God. God and his word are one. Now, listen, don't get flaky. Don't get out there and say, okay, the Bible is God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying the word of God can't be separated from God. God, our father, God, the son, God, the Holy Ghost. But his word came from his very essence. It is the word of God. It's not the word of man. Because it's the word of God, then it has to take precedence over every other word. It can't be considered alongside any other word. It's not equal to any other word. It's not in the same class. It's not in the same category as any other word. The thoughts, the ideas, the the, the, the uh realities that are in the word. They're not like anything else. They can't be compared with anything else. They can't be they can't be uh uh considered equal to anything else, they're not equal. They're above everything else. They're above every thought you'll ever have. God's word is above every every idea of this world. We have to we have to take God's word as it is. Be serious about it. That's right, amen. So when you when you begin to when you when you receive the word light, right, then you can believe it. A lot of people, he, Paul said, when you receive the word, you didn't receive it as a word from man, but you received it as it is in truth, the word of God, and, he went, and then it go, you go on then to believe it and it effectively, effectively works in you. So you cannot believe it correctly, you cannot believe it sufficiently, you cannot believe it adequately if you don't respect it. If you don't esteem it for what it is, there's no way you can get out of. You can't draw that faith out of it if you don't receive it as the Word of God. Not just, not just, uh, uh, not just in a, in a manner of speaking. Oh yeah, the Bible is the word, of God, the word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. We know the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. I'm not I'm talking, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about unless you value and esteem this as literally coming from the very heart of God, having the authority of God. God's Word has His, there's no authority equal to this Word. There's no, there's no law of man. There's no, there's no, uh, uh custom of man. There's no other faults in this world that, that even approach the authority that this word has. We see, if you, don't, if you don't approach it that way, you won't be able to draw the faith out of it. It's full of faith and you can believe it, but you have to receive it right. Amen. Amen. go to Psalm 119 real quick this is I want to go to my next point but this is such a good verse I just can't miss it just can't not point it out Psalm 119 Psalm 119 oh glory and verse 160 Psalm 119 160. Let me look at yours. The original, or, or not the original, but the but the older King James says, thy word is true from the beginning. I like the way the, the new King James reads. The new King James says, the entirety of your word is truth. I, I, I don't know, something about that speaks to me. Something about that, little lightning flashes go off on the inside. The entirety of your word is truth. Now, why is that important to us? Listen, we live in a day, well, let me go on and read the rest of that. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments Endure forever. Every one of God's righteous judgments endure forever. And I might add, no matter what society says about them. No matter how much someone, someone wants to explain them away. And say they don't mean what they mean. The entirety of God's word is truth. And every one of his righteous judgments endure forever. Isn't that awesome? The reason I I point this out is there are a lot of believers today who are being seduced by the spirit of this age to compromise on the word. I said many believers today are being seduced by the spirit of this age to compromise on the word. Let's, let's real quickly, because I don't want to take a lot of time uh, to build my, uh, my, my case, but I want to give you a scriptural foundation. Go to Ephesians 2, verse 2. Quickly, turn with me. Now be nimble and quick with your fingers here. Ephesians 2, 2. Come on, baby. New Testament, you can get it. Come on. <laughs> verse 2 says, In which... See, I said I live in that hole, you know. It's carpeted, it's got chairs and several rooms in it and everything. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Notice, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, let me ask you a question. If the spirit who works in the... Will the spirit of, of the, that works in the sons of disobedience will that spirit also work in Christians if they allow him to? I guess unanimously the answer was yes. Now he, the spirit, there is a spirit, it's the the devil. In Ephesians, just before this, we read about the rulers of the darkness of this world. Here we talk about the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience, There are, there, the spirit of this age, we say that, in, I say that in a kind of a comprehensive uh, uh, phrase to include all of the evil spirits and forces of darkness in this world. They're all of this world. They're all of this, of this natural world and age that we live in. Not the church age, the age of this world. Said over in, in, in Corinthians, if the rulers of this age had known what was going to happen, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It, 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 uh, that's in First Corinthians. Second Corinthians talks about uh, how the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who believe not. So um, uh, let me ask you, is there, a, is there an ungodly, uh, uh, are there ungodly spirits and is there an ungodly influence in this world that is constantly deceiving people. Yes. We know that he blinds the minds of those who do not believe, but he also blinds the minds of believers if they let him. We cannot, that's why Paul said, stand against the wiles of the devil. Because he not only tries to deceive the world, listen, they are deceived. That's why you can't trust the wisdom of this world. They they start off on, 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 on the first base. I mean, they start out deceived. Believers shouldn't be deceived, but we could be because the enemy's constantly trying to deceive us. And there are a lot of Christians today and not just in the pew, but in the pulpits. A lot of ministers who are... Yielding to the spirit of this age, the spirit that that works in the sons of disobedience. They're yielding and compromising on the word. Now, I don't want to ride a a, a hobby horse, but but because you've heard me mention this before. But for instance, there are there are word of faith churches, churches pastored by Rhema graduates like myself, who sat under the same ministry. That I sat in, who went to school when I did, well, when Kenneth Hagin was alive, who established their ministries on faith, the move of the Holy Ghost, and so forth. I, I was looking, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't look at this in, in trying to find it. I just, I just found it looking for for another reason. A friend of mine posted on Facebook; they were ministering at somebody's church. Uh, and so I went to, and they had, you know, they had that, ch- the church where they were ministering, it had their Facebook, you know, identity. And so I clicked on it and and I know this pastor and I went to his church. And so I just thought, I don't know why I did it. I just thought, well, let me, let me see, click. And it clicked on what we believe. I'm telling you, it was the most watered down thing you ever heard in your life. There was virtually no doctrine. In other words, you know, we believe in. We start out saying we believe in in the uh, in the Bible that it's God's word, that it's ir, ir, ir errant, that it's that it's holy. We believe in the uh, you know the Godhead. We believe in the deity of Christ. And write on down. Yeah, you have to have some core beliefs. If you don't have core beliefs, you can believe anything. And this is their statement of faith. Here's what they said about the Holy Spirit. Then I'm not being. I'm not trying to criticize that church because I'm not mentioning its name. You don't know who it is. But their statement about the Holy Spirit, they said, we believe in the Holy Spirit who is a uh, part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then it said, we welcome the Holy Spirit in our services. See, how did it say? We, we welcome the Holy Spirit in our services who... Uh, does many good things for us. That's their that's that's their statement of faith. That's their doctrine. We we welcome the, the Holy Spirit in our services services who who does many good things for us, or s- something to that effect. And I thought that could mean anything. That can mean anything. Now, I don't know, you know, I haven't talked to this pastor. I know him, but I'm not close friends with him. I'm not trying to, you know, judge him. But I I just wonder, what are you doing? What is it you're, you're not, what is it you're obviously trying not to say? See, we don't, see, it's, we believe that the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, that he comes to indwell believers, that that believers can be filled with the Spirit. And when we're filled with the Spirit, we speak with tongues, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, being led of the Spirit. See, that's doctrine. But my point is, there is a tendency today in so many places where we don't want to offend anybody. And so we just want these generalized statements that, that don't offend anybody, that, that means you will not stand. You'll not stand and defend speaking with other tongues. If you're afraid to admit it because you're afraid someone wouldn't come to your church, then you're not going to stand and defend it if you're asked. Now, why am I saying that? Am I, am I on a crusade about these kinds of churches? No, here's my point. This is what I'm really getting at. If we compromise the word of God, like, like a lot of people do today, and the trend, there's, a, there's a huge trend and tendency to this. If we compromise any part of the word of God that we know to be true in order to be in order to appear sufficiently progressive to those people around us. See, one, one, one quote was, there's no, there's no uh, telling how many acts of cowardice have been perpetuated by people who were afraid to, to appear uh, uh, le- a little less progressive than somebody else. If we, if we compromise the word of God in order to present a picture that will satisfy the thoughts, that will not challenge the righteous judgments of God, that will not, not challenge people who oppose the righteous judgments of God. If we compromise in those areas, we will not stand in faith when the devil challenges us. That's the whole point. How are you going to stand in the devil's face when he comes raging against you with everything he has? He's trying to take your life. He's trying to take your business. He's trying to stop your ministry. He's trying to run you out of town. How are you going to stand strong and say, no, this is what the Bible says when you've discounted other things that the Bible says? Faith will not be there. Faith will not be there. I said, faith will not be there. You cannot have it, you can't have it both ways. All of God's righteous judgments last forever. The entirety of God's word is true or else none of it's truth. I said it's all true or it's none of it's true. And if parts of it aren't true, then you have nothing to stand on when the devil challenges you. Amen. Amen. I'm listen. I'm not against people. I, what I'm doing is I want to protect you and show you that if you're going to be strong in faith and do exploits in these last days, you got to have a, a love and a respect and an honor of to, to of everything God says in in the Word. You have to take it as the Word of God. It's holy. It's holy. It's precious it cannot be violated it cannot be cast aside it cannot be swept under the rug praise god we're going to have the blessing of god we're going to have to take everything god says and stand on it praise god at impact family church it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the word of god we have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching